Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. There was not a game last night, but there is a game tonight, so we're going to talk about it. I'm Jared Weiss, joined by Bo DeKeel. Andrew Schlecht is on the ones and twos for this episode. And we're talking about Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics. We are heading back to Miami after the Heat beat the Celtics 111. Sorry, sorry, just, just the Will Smith song popped in my head. Listen, Bienvenidos a la Athletic NBA show, or all Athletic NBA show. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so game six in Boston, Jimmy Butler had 47 points and eight assists. That's, uh, I would say that's unbelievable, but we just watched him do that two years ago throughout the conference finals and finals. This is what Jimmy Butler does. He is incredible. Why was he so great in this game after, besides the fact that he you know, got some treatment done to his knee, uh, but what else did he do that was just so incredible? He was relentless in his attack of the paint, uh, Jared. He was going into the paint on everybody. It didn't matter who was on it. And I'm telling you, didn't matter if Smart was on him. Didn't matter if it was Tatum, Brown, White. Didn't matter if he had Horford, uh, Grant Williams, Rob Williams. He took all of them into the paint. He was relentless in his attack into the basket constantly. He scored on all three levels, shot the three ball impressively well. But Jared, I was blown away with just how aggressive he was attacking the paint all night long. He had four threes. Uh, that's the second time that he's done that since he joined the Miami Heat. He actually had four threes against Atlanta in the first round. But, you know, that was that was special. And I guess those threes were kind of the difference in this game since it was an eight-point game. But he got deep penetration to the point that he could turn around and take these insanely contested turnaround jumpers and hit them. Although that, that last one he had there deep at the corner, I don't know. That was just like a LeBron level shot where it's just like only the greatest of the greats could hit those. Yeah. That was just a big time. Yo, we need to get this shot up with two seconds left on the shot clock. Like that was a big time. Now granted the ball did go out of bounds off of him. But mm, that's they, kind of a problem. They, they missed that one, but still, you got to give him credit for just being able to knock down that shot. That was a, an incredible shot, Jared. I saw that and I was like, oh, that's a backbreaker. Yeah. Okay. Help me out with this officiating question because, you know, I, I live in Boston. I covered the Celtics. So I'm, I'm surrounded by so much biased noise. It is hard to obviously sift through. The, the, I guess the objectivity of it. I saw some very bizarre calls for both sides. Was there? Did you have an issue with the officiating going one way or the other, or was it just it was kind of absurdly inconsistent across the board, which is what it really just seems to be most of the time in this postseason? It was a really weirdly officiated game. I don't think. Here's the thing, and I'm going to talk to you, Boston fans, directly here. Okay, I hope you guys look at me, listen to me. Okay, lend me your ears. Okay, pay I'm pay, pay, pay attention. Um. You didn't lose this game because of the referee. Like, you didn't. It, listen, the, the refereeing was bad on both ways. There were questions. I just didn't understand what was a foul on one and wasn't on the other. Like, there wasn't a lot of consistency. It was an issue both ways and things like that. You had, listen, Lowry fouls out, right? Like, you have guys that are fouling out also on the, uh, uh, you, you know, Williams fouls out. Like, you had issues for both sides and that stuff. You still got to the line a whole lot of times. If you were Boston, I don't feel like the officiating was the reason why we can look and go, 
this is why you lost this game and you're going to game seven. No, there were a lot of other reasons that were in Boston's control. So let's put the officiating thing aside. I know I, I opened the door with my little crack of the ball getting off Jimmy. But oh, but they've all been trying to open that door. I mean, Jalen Brown has been complaining about hand check calls for, oh, you know, for I, the entire week now. I literally asked him about it last night. They got to stop. They got to stop complaining, period. And and they I'm do. sorry. And, and and more importantly, Grant Williams, shut up. Just stop. You're complaining on every freaking call. You hit Jimmy clearly on the elbow on the foul that they they the the Celtics challenged at the start of the fourth quarter, and you act like you didn't touch him at all. That should be honestly, that should be a fine the next day by the NBA. You act so egregiously that you <laughs> didn't foul the guy, and turns out when we watch the tape, like, oh no, you you definitely fouled him. You you should be getting fined the next day. We need to cut down the the complaining. It was funny. So Ime Odoka was asked about why he challenged that call. And he said that his team saw that, uh, or like his coaching staff saw that Jimmy Butler kicked out before, and they felt Jimmy initiated the contact. And I guess it was like they were on a run, and he wanted to keep the momentum of the run going. So he thought they could actually flip that play around. But like, ugh, that's a, I, I don't know why they really thought they would pull that one off because it was such a, it was such an egregiously obvious foul. Like there were Grant Williams got screwed over a lot of times in that game, but like that was one where he very clearly fouled him out in the open. And I remember I was walking out uh, late after the game and Zach Zarba was walking out and he was talking to someone about how he had to be very patient that night. Cause somebody was being, you know, someone was giving him crap or whatever for oh. the game. And he's like, yeah, we had to be very patient, which they certainly did. Cause they had to deal, the refs had to deal with a lot of BS from both sides in that game. Yes. And I just remember turning <laughs> to him and being like, I was surprised you didn't throw out grant or give grant a tech. Cause when grant hit the bench after that, he was screaming in Zarba's face during live play. And Zarba just like looked him off. But I was like, I thought Zarba was going to tech him up, but credit to credit to the officiating crew. They managed to n- somehow not eject a lot of guys that were really looking for in that game. Yeah. Also the Miami heat fans, like th- those guys, they need to shut up too, right? Like there was a large amount of that stuff going both ways in terms of the screaming. I know I picked mostly on the Celtics here, but like there, I mean, Lowry campaigns on every calls more than any politician I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's yeah. it's really interesting, but we got to get away from the officiating, man. This was a great game, Jared. Why'd you take me down this road? Well, here here's why I took you down this road because the Celtics have a composure question. They always have. I feel like Miami is just about the best composed team in the NBA. They seem to hold on and stay true to their identity more than anybody else does. It's why they've gotten so far, even with their guys hurt constantly throughout the year. While Boston, you know, Jason Tatum is kind of the poster child in the NBA, along, I guess, along with Luka Doncic for players that are taken out of their game by complaining to the officials. Grant Williams, who's JT's good friend, has also taken that on very well this year. To his credit, he definitely stays in the play for the most part. But Ime Odoka has spoken many several times after these losses in this series about how this team basically loses composure sometimes. They don't seize the moment when they need to. They let the officiating get to their head. They let physicality get to their head, which, you know, sure, that's going to happen. But clearly... It's it is one of their disadvantages in this series, and there's a reason why this series is tied. Even though Boston, you know, has played kind of like if you go, they like to try you know quarter by quarter, oh, like here you know, we, we go, want more quarters. Quarter you know, they've go. had more good quarters. Okay, they have had yeah. a, they've had more stretches where, as a holistic team, they were probably playing better. But Miami has that mental edge; they have that heat culture thing. And Jimmy, when he's on, is the best player in the series, and he was on enough times for them to be tied up. Okay, first off. 
what took Jason Tatum out of this game was the Miami Heat's defense in the second defense. half, right? Like they did a great job limiting him to just four shots in the second half. And he went to the line a couple of times, you know, and got and and, and got to the line there a, a little bit just four more four attempts. But they did a great job of constantly showing a body to him. Every time he would get a switch, PJ Tucker would just go cool. He would leave whoever he switched on to. Derek White, Marcus Smart, Al Horford. He would leave them, let them sit in the dunker spot, and he would literally sit at the free throw line going like, hey, man, you're coming through me as well. You got to guard two. We got two of you, two of us on you. And I think that's more the the challenge there. That's what took Jason Tatum out of this game. That's what led to four turnovers in the second half from him. I think like those were the issues for the Celtics more than anything else. Their offense devolved into very much a one-on-one style offense that we were used to seeing in November and December from this team when they were losing games and not the offense that we saw that ball moving, ball flying around, the cuts and things like that. There were a lot of bad decisions and a lot of guys got shot happy. That's what took them out of this game. Yeah, I mean, Boston has had success in this playoff run of mismatch hunting for Tatum late in games. There's been success in this series too, but Miami sold out on that. They're like, you know what? None of that. You're not taking Strews on an island. PJ is coming to help. You know, and the thing is, we'll see early in the games, you know, Miami is kind of famous for their their strong side corner lifting uh, guy. Where like, it's usually PJ Tucker. He'll just go guard up at the free throw extended instead of sinking down to the corner. And he takes away that passing lane really well. Usually that means that Miami has to send a little guy like Kyle Lowry underneath the hoop to be that low man. When Rob Williams is out there, the Celtics have had great success taking advantage of that, but they don't close with Rob Williams. They're closing with Al Horford. In fact, I don't think they played Rob Williams in the fourth quarter at all of that game. So do you think in game seven, the Celtics might need to change the way that they close to try to get that vertical spacing there that they don't usually have or just stay spread out with Al Horford as the five out guy? No, I think that's, I mean, I think having Rob Williams on the floor makes a big difference. I think he he, he makes the paint very difficult even for Jimmy at times and I think that's an important thing there I my real question though is I gotta think Rob Williams is hurt because it was weird right he was yeah, at, he, he had the he be- no but like he like that's the reason why he didn't come back in the fourth quarter he was at the the unless I'm imagining things which by the way folks not completely out of the realm of possibility of me hallucinating <laughs> with the number of basketball games I've watched over the past three months um he was at the scores table to sub in before Al Horford hit that monster three. And then we don't see him at all. And I don't even remember seeing him on the bench. So I think there's, a, you know, you have to close with what you got at the end of the game. And that's who they went with. You know, uh, he definitely makes a difference for the team offensively and defensively. So you are right. Uh, Udoka, Udoka actually said that they were going to bring him in and then Horford hit a three and they decided to ride with Horford. So that did happen. Um, I, I'm actually running back the I'm tape right very, now to see I'm if very, he was on the bench. very thankful that I'm not hallucinating, though. That bodes well for my own <laughs> personal and mental health. I know most of you don't care, but that matters to me. Thank you, Jared. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob is on the bench. I was That, that one I was like, okay. what are you talking okay. about? So Rob oh, was oh, on the bench at the end of the game. Um, but actually, when I was walking into the practice facility earlier in the day, he was actually at the front getting a new knee brace uh, mm. fitted. So, you know, they, that uh, the way that they were do- going about that, they were talking about, like, degrees of pressure on each side. Like, it certainly seemed like he was, you know, like he's progressing. But obviously, like, he clearly returned earlier than he should have or I guess would have from his knee surgery. These are the consequences. He's going to have soreness flare up. They figured, you know what, he could fight through it. Then he has three months to go rest and recover. So, yeah. And it's going to be important. It's going to be important because that's we got a game seven. 
That's it. Celtics blew an unbelievable opportunity here to punch a ticket to the finals. I thought they were lackluster in, 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 in their start. They were careless with the ball. Shocking. And, and, and they lost. And now it's game seven. And the big question for me in game seven, Jared, is who's playing? <laughs> this has been kind of the question every game in this series, unfortunately, is who's healthy enough to play? I mean, there was a lot of momentum, it sounded like, towards Tyler Hero returning, and then he didn't play. So is he going to play? I We have no, absolutely no idea. Uh, you know, Marcus Smart played, did he play 40 minutes in this game? 40 minutes and 25 seconds. So uh, he, he did look good. He went one for nine from three. Maybe just a little bit more touch, and, and the Celtics are winning this series. But uh, he at least is clearly playing, and Rob Williams getting 26 minutes. That's kind of close to what you usually would get out of him. Maybe they get 30 minutes next time. But... It seems like Boston's got all their guys available, even if not everybody is playing their best. And I know there's a lot of a lot of people are hitting me about Al Horford looking. You know, he wasn't shooting well, wasn't playing poorly. Sadly, uh, his it looks like his grandfather passed away oh, the morning of Game Six. That's, so that's that probably yeah that kind of helps explain that one. So you know, condolences to the Horford family. But uh, on Miami's end, Jimmy Butler. I mean. There is no sense in guessing, no point in guessing what Jimmy Butler is going to look like in game seven because everybody thought he was done and then he had the best game of his life, maybe, or pretty close to it. Uh, so who knows what he's going to be able to do. But I think the thing for me was seeing Kyle Lowry kind of find his rhythm as the night went on, still have 18 points, even though he only hit five shots. That was the thing that I think excites me the most if I'm a Heat fan. It's just seeing him being able to get out there, get 10 dimes, be a part of the offense again, because he really hasn't been this entire series. Yeah, and they got a lot of stuff. First off, Jimmy played 46 minutes. I will be fascinated to see what he looks like in game seven, we should also note Tatum played 45. So, you know, he's maybe we're just giving Tatum a little more credit because he's younger and, you know, doesn't have a knee issue as we've seen with Jimmy. So I think but he's beat up. I mean, he's struggling. There are, everybody he is. Everybody's beat up at this point in the in the and this has been a very physical conference finals. And the Celtics went through Giannis very physical series before all that. I think the the question is, can we get Jimmy to repeat this performance? And that's the big one. He got Big help from Kyle Lowry. The 10 assists were a, a monster, as you were talking about. But the other thing that's... He didn't shoot it great, but he shot it well enough was Max Strews hitting some big threes. Oh, yeah. He went three for eight. He hit some big ones in the third quarter in particular. I feel like that's the guy the Heat need to get going because it's not going to be Bam. I've given up on Bam. I'll be excited if aggressive Bam shows up for game seven, but I have lost all hope on that. I'm more interested to see, is Max Strews going to be able to shoot it well enough that it's going to really kind of alleviate some of the pressure off of Jimmy. Because Jimmy had to do just about everything with a pinch of help from Lowry. We had 55 fouls in Game 6. Are we going to cross the 70 threshold in Game 7? No, Is everybody no, we're fouling not. out? We're not, we're not getting to 70. No. That'd be absurd. Watch. We Are hit. we getting Scott Foster for Game 7? He, he, uh, did, he did the last Warriors game. I no. figured he's got to be doing Game 7. Might be rested. It's going to be fun. Uh, this this will be the most violent game in NBA history, or at least in modern NBA history. I hope, um, and th- it should be insane. Uh, who is, I guess, at the end of the day, who is your X factor? Who do you think is the person that's going to swing this game one way or the other? I mean, I just said it. I think it's Max Drews for Miami. I think he's a real important piece in terms of his shooting, you know, and and, and him kind of finding some shots there. And we know he's not going to be shy. He's going to shoot, and he as well he should. That's going to be key for them. For the Celtics, I think it's a combination of Derek White and Peyton Pritchard and whoever's rolling of those guys. You know, it's been White getting the bulk of the minutes. We damn near had the Derek White game uh, Mm. in game six. I don't know if he could play any better than that. Let's see, you know, what it is. But those guys are going to be important because when they're on the court, they're going to get hunted. 
def- you know, on the defensive side of the things. And and they can they hold up? I mean, that's what gave Jimmy Butler that drive to the basket where he finished over Horford for the and one. And really, the the Heat never looked back after that. So for me, it's going to be those two guys for the Celtics. Yeah, Derek White. I was he was he thought he thought at least he was supposed to hard show on that one, then let. Butler go by him thinking Smart was going to recover, and that never happened. I actually wrote about that on The Athletic. Go subscribe! Um, Theathletic.com slash ding. That's her URL? Right. Uh, for me, Al Horford, you know, he only had three points. Missed a lot of good looks at three. These games are Horford. They're able to drive and kick and find him in the corners, even do some pick-and-pop two-man action. They win those games when he's in those shots because he, he still played pretty well defensively. You know, that, that was good. It was just he did not hit his shots. And Marcus Smart going one for nine, just a little bit more for Marcus. Marcus not going radical with three minutes left and taking some of those, you know, those pull-up threes. I know he, there was one where he got really criticized, but there was like five seconds left on the shot clock. There wasn't really anything else happening. I'm, oh, I understand no, why no, Smart was doing no, that. No, no, no. I'm not letting you off on that ridiculous Marcus Smart shot. Okay, because he dri- it was ridiculous. No, no. He dribbled the air out of the ball the entire freaking possession. That Jared. is true. That is you don't true. Get, he doesn't. I don't want to hear a damn thing. The ball didn't leave a quadrant. It stayed in that uh, that 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 area the whole time. Didn't get inside the three point line. I was appalled, and that was the moment, Jared. I literally said to myself, "Damn, the Celtics are going to lose this game." Yeah, you're right. The the thing though is, I've seen this happen so many times. They'll have a guy pounding the air out of the ball, and then nobody else does anything. They just watch, and that's. That's all. That's on the whole team. It's not just on that one guy. It is certainly mostly on that one guy, but this is something that really was a problem for this team. Back when Smart called out the Jays at the beginning of the season was they had too many plays where one of them would dribble the ball for 15 seconds and nobody would make a cut. Nobody would try to reposition. No, you know, no off ball screens. Nobody trying to create an outlet. They all just watched seeing, trying to figure out what that person would do. And that's the difference between like what Miami does and what Boston does. And that's why Miami is tied up here, and we're heading to a Game 7. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Who is going to the NBA Finals? Now, the, you're not Draymond Green. You're Mo Dekeel. Who's going oh, to the NBA wait, Finals? wait. No, no. We almost forgot. We called this. We said Draymond. Oh, did we? Draymond. We said Draymond calling out the Celtics are going to be. That's who we're playing in the next round in the Finals led to this. Andrew, play the tape. What did you think of Draymond saying that? Is it, are the Celtics definitely making the Finals? And is Draymond just out of his mind for saying that regardless? Whether you think it's wild uh, the Celtics are making the final or not, it's 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 pretty reckless to kind of just give bulletin board material. Should Miami pull off the next two games? And basically, if you're if you're a Boston Celtics staffer, I'm sure somebody somewhere went like, "Oh come on, man! Just just <laughs> just why give them bulletin board material to come at us?" You know, and I feel like there's got to be some of that if you're if you're Boston. But ultimately. 
like, yeah, Draymond said it, it's fine. Like, it's not going to be a big, big deal there. I think the, the funny thing about it will be if Miami pulls it off and then it could just be Jimmy going like, hey, hi, hi, Draymond, <laughs> we're here. Um, I think that's going to be the, the, would be a funny outcome. I don't necessarily think that's likely, but still uh, pretty, pretty fun stuff there. And, and Draymond already preparing for Boston. I think, honestly, I, I picked Boston in seven. That's who I said originally at the start of the series. I thought this was going to be a seven-game series. Uh, I still think that's what's going to happen, but I don't feel as confident as I did when I first made that pick. I feel a little bit more nervous with it. I just think, you know, I feel like the Heat are, are just really, like when they want to go, they go, and they're just a mentally tougher team. They are, and I th- I think uh, before the series, I had Celtics in seven with Miami forcing a game seven. So this has gotten pretty much exactly as I expected, except for Jimmy Butler having like 20 points in three games in the middle of the series. Uh, that was it is incredible that we've even gotten this far with uh, how much Butler struggled in the middle of the series with injury. But I would give the Celtics a 50.1 percent chance to win this series. I, I think they just they, they bounce. They have bounced back. They do have these letdown moments. And they have continued to bounce back throughout this postseason. I think they will be able to do it again. Hopefully, we'll get another incredible game. If Although, they, if they blow this, they will regret this one for an incredibly long time. They this will this will stay with them for a long time. I'm just letting you know now. If the Celtics blow this one, it's going to hurt for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Jays are still just young enough that they're still there is still a good horizon ahead. But this is like this is giving you a little bit of OKC OKC vibes here where, you know, Al Horford is at his age. You just don't know if you're going to get another one of these. He has been spectacular in this playoff run. He's still barely holding on steam. Uh, You know, this team is going to get more expensive. Who knows if they're going to keep everything together beyond next year. But like this is their big moment. This is their big moment. They have to capitalize, but sure, so does Miami. Jimmy Butler's old. Kyle Lowry's old. Both of these teams have some very nice upside in the future. But they need to strike now. And that's why the Game 7 should be absolutely incredible. And I will not be there to talk to you guys after it, but Mo will be. And I really hope that he makes fun of me during that episode. And I can't wait to hear it later. Thank you to Andrew Schlecht for producing. Thank you to Mo Keel for being incredible as always. I'm Jared Weiss. We're signing off here on the NBA Daily Dig. Ding, ding. I don't think I'm on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>